0: Hello everyone and welcome to Shot Reverse Try, a film and television podcast in which we talk about a theme which changes from episode to episode. My name is Edwin Davis and joining me this week through the miracle of satellite technology. It's Emily Benita. Hi Emily, how's it going?
1: Well, it's February now, so that's a thing. January mm. is done uh the and even though it lasted five years yeah <laughs> yes it's February the uh your your uh, country of origin and my current collection of countries are now out of the EU uh which I'm still mm. s- still uh in a suspended state of disbelief <laughs> about really.
0: Yeah, you you're right about it feeling like a very long month. Everyone's kind of joked about it, but the other day I saw someone like someone mentioned like the the killing of uh S- 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 Mani, you know, the uh, Iranian general who, you know, I'm thinking, "Oh god, that happened this year. Yeah. That happened this month." Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe like how long it felt like that since think like, oh yeah, remember how the start of the, the the start of the month we thought, "Oh, World War 3 is about to start." Yeah. How uh, and then we end it up by you know uh, <laughs> with britain leaving the eu the BAFTA's happening it's all
1: happening it's all, um, it's all going off
0: yeah kobe bryant dying <laughs> it's yeah. like it's been a it's been a full on year so far it's been a whole um, year <laughs> <laughs> but uh as such as you know i think it, it, it would be fair to say we have been inundated with real world news over the last uh, last week um, not a huge amount, really, in terms of entertainment, I would say. Although, over the last two or three days, there have been a lot of announcements about forthcoming installments in long-running franchises, which I think have set certainly set the parts of Twitter that I uh, frequent alight. Um, the first of which, the revelation in the trailer for Fast 9, I guess it's called. The uh, a revelation that the character of Han Solo, spelled S E O U L - O H it's a very funny pun um <laughs> is returning to the franchise having been killed twice in two previous films having died as a kind of key emotional moment in fast and furious tokyo drift and whose death being shown uh, again i want to say at the end of fast six where they showed that oh no jason safan was behind it all along but he's back he's alive again and i find that to be very interesting mainly as someone who's kind of like followed that franchise uh just in like the development of that you know tokyo drift for a, a while being like the critically beloved entry in the series that was also like the least successful the one that seemed to kill the franchise off now being central to its increasingly complicated and evolving narrative which at one point featured, you know, them making essentially three prequels to it when they decided they wanted to bring Han back and put him in uh, four, five, and six. But also just the outpouring of kind of elation for it because people have been talking so much online, so much of the fan base have been so angry at the fact that Jason Statham was revealed to have killed Han and then having him then like join up with the crew in the last movie and get his own spin-off, everyone you know that the hashtag was justice for han and then this trailer ends with the word like justice uh, like justice will be done or justice has arrived or something like that it's just like a very weird uh example of where uh franchise filmmaking has got at this point i feel mm-hmm. like and the way the which the audience filmmaker and film like relationship has shifted you know with the, the growth of fandom over the last 10 years or so and then the other one which i'm personally very very excited about i mean i'm excited about han coming back even though i'm just kind of i do kind of feel like it undermines the emotional stakes of the previous movies if they're like oh yeah this guy i guess he was alive the whole time although as i said on twitter my dream scenario for it would be if it turns out that they have just decided to completely retcon it and be like oh no han was alive the whole time and then they just edit uh, Sung Kang into just a bunch of scenes from earlier in the series like that one episode of Community where they said oh yeah Jack Black was in every episode of the show but the one I'm very excited about in terms of returns is the announcement that Henry Cerny is coming back to Mission Impossible to play the character of Kittredge the character who hunted after Ethan Hunt in uh, the first movie and I'm, I am I'm personally was just like really delighted about it because that one was was announced with so little fanfare It was just um, Christopher McQuarrie posting a picture of Henry Cerny on his Twitter feed and everyone just completely losing their minds for this, for like one of the most minor characters in the history of the Mission Impossible franchise being brought back. Uh, And yeah, I I was just really, really entertained by that um, response as well as being, you know, very happy to Henry Cerny again because I think he's a very good actor. And then this is obviously not news news because it happened six years ago, but... um, We're recording this on uh, Sunday the 2nd of February, and it is the six-year anniversary of the death of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who passed away uh, six years ago. And uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to kind of just talk about him for a bit and and his death six years on, because, uh, you know, we were talking a little beforehand, but that's one of those celebrity deaths which, for me just like came as so completely out of left field and was so shocking and so unexpected that it in some ways was you know was like really kind of uh, devastating in a way i wouldn't have expected but also a way that has never f- fully seemed real to me
1: i was exactly the same i was really taken aback when it happened and i think there's something about the legacy of his life that he was so incredible at what he did and his work, and just in terms of the nature of addiction, that it's like you can have, you can be, you know, like critically lauded, successful, Mm. have a passion for life, still have your loved ones around you, but those aren't the things that save you, they can support you, but addiction Mm. is such a, such a dark thing and I think because that was part of the shock you know that he was always really private but like seemingly stable and I think that's Hmm. it like what what happened what is just awful and I think it's important to remember him and not just that you know he's not I don't want to suggest that I'm being reductive and only thinking of him as an addict but we can't only just think of him as an amazing actor like I think he was someone who gave so much of himself in everything that he mm. did and he seemed like a really decent incredibly flawed and and like a human being he was really trying and i think that was it like i think it's absolutely remarkable and yeah it still hasn't really sunk in for me either i think partly it's because you know Like, his performances are ones that have always really touched me. Like, he had such Mm. a... I mean, the man did Key New York, and along came Polly. And he is brilliant in both. In different ways. You know, he was, like, a total chameleon. And for someone who looked like the most normal person (laughs) you could Mm -hmm. ever, you know, he was just utterly remarkable. And I think because he was there was something maybe like simultaneously like very sensitive and very driven but he just (laughs) one of those actors where you just feel like you are watching that person Mm. like he's not it's not like yes i'm doing good acting (laughs) he just is and it's important to yeah remember
0: yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Along Came Polly there, because that is, one, it's such an atypical performance from what people associate with him. Certainly, when you look at, like, the last five or six years of his uh, career, where I think he became more of, like, the outhouse darling. And certainly in, like, the wake of him winning the Oscar for Capote, he became, like, a kind of that weird blend of art house superstar where he was a character actor who did kind of really unfussy unshowy work for the most part but everyone knew who he was (laughs) he was like like a very recognizable figure so he didn't do that many roles like that in the years uh following along came bolly but his performance in that is just like so so funny in terms of just playing this really big loud slightly obnoxious guy and just in terms of his physical comedy, like he has maybe one of the funniest pratfalls I've ever seen in a movie and that when he walks into a room and steps onto, I believe it's a freshly polished floor, and he just, just like slams right into the ground. (laughs) It looks very painful and it's very, very funny because I, I think, you know, because he is someone who, otherwise uh, projects a certain level of of dignity he's like sideshow bob getting hit with the uh, yes you know one of the things uh, about his death that made it so i think traumatic was uh, that privacy that he had you know people didn't really know much about his life and then how quickly that privacy disappears you know when the tabloids become involved and like it becoming this kind of big sensational thing you know or you know this Oscar winning Oscar dies of a, of a drug overdose and everything and that is the thing that I remember being just like really that the thing being like really wrenching about it you know when you have someone who it, it was like if you a friend of yours had died someone who just lived a kind of a fairly normal unobtrusive life suddenly becoming a tabloid fixation I feel like that was that was the relationship I think a lot of people who are fans of Philip Seymour Hoffman had with him. He just seemed like a guy you knew. Mm. And that was his like that was his appeal.
1: Yeah,
0: completely. So we'll go from the news to our main topic this week, which is The Good Place, which just wrapped up its fourth and final season on NBC, created by Mike Shure. It was the show that started in 2017 about a, a woman named uh, Eleanor Shellstrop, who wakes up in su- supposedly heaven, yeah. uh, the the good place of the title, and uh, as the show went on, she uh, befriended some of the people in that place, realised the nature of that place was not what it seemed, and left that place, went back to a different place. <laughs> it was a show <laughs> that went in a lot of directions over the course of its its short five year, uh, sorry, short four year run. And uh, I think it's a show that uh, is much beloved and, you know, its it's finale has been very, very well received. And we've talked about the show a little bit here and there on this show over the years. So it's felt like uh, a good time to kind of like check in and try and assess the good place as a whole in terms of uh, what it it set out to, what it achieved. Uh, Emily, what are your kind of like broad thoughts on the good place overall
1: so I am a philosophy graduate I did my undergrad Mm. in philosophy and it was eerie that when I heard the premise and the more I watched kind of the first season I was like oh my word I think this show was created just for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's worth all the debt to get the gags without having to look them <laughs> up on Wikipedia. So thank you, Michael Sher. It's really hard to say how I feel about it in broad strokes because I think it's such a, it's really significant. And I think it's, mm. I need to not just think and also use my words. That was part of what my philosophy degree taught me, but it does, it makes me contemplate. It It makes me stop and really, really think and feel and I haven't had this strong a reaction to a show that's made me actually want to be a better person than mm. Six Feet Under, which again is about right. sort of, you know is focused on death, really. And spoilers are plenty, folks that are coming.
0: Yeah, we should definitely point <laughs> out uh, for for the show, particularly the end of the show, because obviously that's that's kind of what we're talking about, but. Yeah, as, as I uh, alluded to in our discussion, the show kind of goes in a lot of directions.
1: In terms of the twists and turns of it as well, I think I think it's interesting, though, like because I feel like the majority of my own ethics align with what The Good Place essentially ends up coming out in favour of. Mm-hmm. Because it's a show that, as much as it appreciates and references lots of different philosophers throughout the history of the discipline, it does actually come out to bat very specifically for a kind of ethics. And if you don't share that, I wonder how you feel about it. Because particularly in this final season, we meet um, Hypatia uh, of Alexandria, or Patty, uh, as she now Mm -hmm. uh, tends to go by, played Wonderfully by Lisa Kudrow. That was a lovely little surprise of a cameo. Or guest spot, really, isn't it? I'm never quite sure when a cameo becomes a guest spot. Do you know what I mean? Like, cameo, I feel like you have to be, like, three minutes and under. Whereas a guest spot, you're actually more significant.
0: I tend to think of a cameo as, like, are they in just one scene? Yes. Like, tends to be my sort of thing. Like, uh, the, the example I want to cite is a film that's currently in theaters <laughs> it's quite a nice <laughs> surprise when someone shows up oh actually no i am um, like in um fighting with my family mm. the movie directed by Stephen merchant the wwe movie about the wrestler page that i watched um just this week and enjoyed it quite a bit i would say that the rock has a small supporting role in it because he's in like a couple of scenes but someone like the big show who shows up just like in one scene standing at a buffet table kind of arguing with a different wrestler about uh whether or not people are taking too many hot dogs that would be a cameo mm. because he's just he's just there and it's like oh that's a recognizable face for people who are fans of wrestling yeah so that, what about that,
1: what about that, bill murray in Zombieland? i
0: would say that's a cameo yeah it's really just him like, again being like him. he's in a couple of scenes but it's really his screen time is pretty like minimal like he's maybe in it for like 90 seconds or something
1: and you know what we did there ed we did a little bit of some people would just say it's quibbling over semantics but i think what we did was we explored the Sorites paradox a little bit there sorieties mm. from the i believe ancient greek meaning heap which is essentially the thought experiment is how many beans do you have before it becomes a heap right surely ah. there's a tipping point where it's it it acquires its heapness or it loses Mm. its ability to be a heap and i spent several hours discussing this in seminars (laughs) philosophy is the fucking best i love it (laughs) and i miss it and it made me miss the good place made me miss the act of doing philosophy didn't make me miss academia and i think that's probably the Mm. only thing the show doesn't really get across is how cheaty generally has quite a great time in academia i don't think that's true globally um if any of my uh, friends my academic friends
0: yeah same (laughs) it's
1: just like maybe that's the one thing but yeah the show ends up coming out to bat for a particular kind of ethics and saying like the meaning of life and to the meaning a meaningful good life is helping other people to be better that betters yourself life is incredibly fucking hard and difficult and there's not like a simple way to calculate goodness but it believes mm. strongly in the ability that people and demons can change and yes. that that's what we should look at our ability to change and not only intentions but motivations to be better Hypatia also the Patty episode pretty much confirms that like and it's a uh, again another thought experiment about kind of does mortality bring meaning to life because if life were eternal and you'd have everything that you want essentially wouldn't you get bored isn't there something baked into the human condition that we have to keep kind of we, we, we need uh the sort of we need versatility right mm-hmm. potato waffles right waffly versatile that's what we're after
0: the uh thing i thought was interesting about that whole thing because like at yeah, spoilers again. At the end of the series, they do eventually get to the good place and they get accepted into it. Obviously, they arrive there earlier, but they kind of sneak in through the back door, essentially, and then trying to justify their place there. Right. And eventually they manage to do so through this secondary experiment that they set up um, to prove that people can, you know, improve in the afterlife and, and deserve to move on and you know they get there and everyone is just like narcotized and bored and just that they feel like their existence has no meaning to them because they can have everything they want and to me it reminded me of like the one offhand reference in the first matrix movie to the first matrix that the machines created of the where everything was perfect and mm. humans rejected it and so, like the, I liked that the show kind of came down on the side of saying that everyone, essentially, everyone needs like that bit of uh, that stone in their shoe or whatever that kind of yeah. really works them and annoys them, and you know, like everything, everyone in their life kind of needs the bit of dirt that eventually forms the the pearl, you know, in the oyster. Yeah. And I think that's uh, kind of a a nice note for it to kind of resolve itself on and you know the introduction of essentially saying to the people in the afterlife we will create a door for you when you feel ready when you feel like it's time for you to pass on you go through that door and then you blink out of existence and you kind of rejoin the universe in this uh, you know kind of moment of oblivion and i really liked the moment when they reveal that and suddenly everyone in heaven suddenly becomes like really energized by. Yeah. It. Although the the joke I thought they were going to go through is they would announce it and then everyone would just run straight to the, the door. door.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's far too um that's much more a kind of Dan Harmon than a Mike Sher sort of <laughs> reaction, isn't it? But yeah, and and how important meaning is to people and that that again that's something that the show kind of pushes and, and gets across. I mean I think there's i'm still not sure how i feel about that as a you know that Mm -hmm. it's our mortality that gives life sort of meaning but i think it also it's a show that focuses on what happens after we die so how do you end something that's kind of about endings and hilariously it's the show you know, the good place, the place, not the show, gets rebooted over and over again and everyone's rebooted. And it's like, actually, if you're trying to track this bird by bird, you're or reboot by reboot, Janet by Janet, Derek by Derek, you're <laughs> missing the point. And I think where it dipped for me was in the third season, where I think they mm. got too caught up in actually trying to be like, hey, we've done some really clever stuff, so we're gonna really explain it to you because it's quite complicated and you'd have like brilliant one-off episodes but they got so caught up in I think trying to get across what they did which was brilliant but it it stopped being funny and it dropped Mm -hmm. because it was too much about like certain stakes or like talking about consequences of things rather than actually being motivated and doing things and dealing with the consequences yeah and, and I found that with Russian Doll as well. I was like, I don't actually need an explanation about why this fruit is rotten. And that's how you understand how time works because you're taking me out of everything. Mm. And I think the show did that better in kind of the first and second series. So that's what it dips for me. But overall, I think the writing is stunning for managing to be at all at once incredibly smart incredibly silly incredibly sweet incredibly sad yes and that the tone of it was really even throughout that it still generally Mm -hmm. felt very like uplifting and a lot of that is to do with I think the cinematography and like it's a show that looks good as well
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, the production design throughout the show is, like, really great. You know, obviously most notably in the first season when everything takes place within the the good place, the fake good place, actually the bad place. <laughs> the uh, it, You know, it's kind of all of these great puns in the background and everything. Mm. And like, But even once they leave there and as they, like, go into, like, Janet's void or go to the world and things like that, there is this, like, real nice... Um, like you say, like, an evenness of tone in its presentation board so like each place they go to feels distinct and you know has a certain level of realness to it that you kind of feel uh, that that works even when they're being fantastical there's a certain grounding in the physicality of what's going on around them
1: yeah for sure and like and that it is the good place is let's let's face it it's a it's a show for nerds and i am mm-hmm. i'm 100 a nerd and rewards all of that kind of hyper fixated attention um because everything is just dense like you say it's 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 the puns but there's also like references to parks and recreation like um they drink snake juice in the bad place which is tom haverford's (laughs) liquor of choice and and which i think is really nice because it kind of it seems to sort of suggest that there is the universe the <laughs> mm-hmm. and the after you know The Good Place is um, you know you can imagine uh, Leslie Nope turning up at one point you know like I think mm. but there is just so much in it and little references and running gags and it's a show that is just so well made like you can tell everyone was so invested in what they were doing like for example um, Kirsten Mann the uh, costume designer she was explaining about how she came up with Janet's costume mm. and it's and it's such a personal story she said that she used to travel a lot on travel alone when she was a child on airplanes um right i said that very in a very american way um <laughs> so she would have air travel a lot but it was the air hostesses in the 70s who would look after her and she just felt like that's what a good woman who lives in the sky looks like. She looks like an mm. air. She looks like an air hostess from the seventies. Yes. And that's where that like came from. And I just think, God, what a personal thing to invest in your work. Do you know what I mean? Like, like everyone on this show is an artist. Mm. And the other thing about a cool thing about Janet's costume. Her her shirt has little clouds on it. Um. But Kirsten Mann also decided to make her um sort of main like waist coat skirt suit um, purple because it's a mix of red and blue the democrat and republican colours she wanted to find something sort of like that was that symbolised neutrality and unity and that level of thought and care and attention that's going into it oh also Eleanor her clothes are significantly different in the good place than they were on earth because it's meant to be the real Eleanor Shellstrop's wardrobe (laughs) that she's been given and it's things like that where you're like, everything is telling me there's so much information and like things to engage and the show is saying, look, you are a smart and you're a smart human that needs entertaining, but we're also going to serve you some really hard, hard, some com- complex problems. And yeah, I just think it's, it staggers me how well made it is.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like obviously this was Shure's follow-up to Parks and Recreation and he's on a run of shows that have been fairly successful.
1: Like and... like ensemble comedies are so mm. tricky and he absolutely yeah. nails that. I mean, because um, he was sort of behind The Office as well, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was a big part of, of that show.
1: Yeah, and, and to find like... It's very easy to make tragic stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) it's harder to find hope and I think that it is genuinely over and over again uplifting and kind and compassionate and that all of these different characters have so many different angles and just just a way of everyone just trying to be decent to each other I think is really Mm. that even with demons there's so many different forms of antagonism as well like they they would shift and and all of this and yeah just the actual twists and turns and again like massively spoilerific but how they set all of those things up but it also manages i think the finale in particular that it does come out to bat for like such a specific ethical theory and that they had like the whole series is essentially like it is a, I, I think it is a work of philosophy itself um, and it mm. comes out with this very distinct conclusion from the argument that it's been making
0: It really does feel like this was him taking the goodwill that he had accrued from that, obviously with the NBC brass of being like, hey I've created these shows that are very very successful I have this idea it is going to be very odd <laughs> it's going to be yeah. something that's not really like the stuff you're doing elsewhere it's not really like something that a lot of any other network show is really attempting mm. and i think we can do something really good with this i want you to kind of take a chance on this and um i think that it, obviously it paid off because the first season was uh, fairly popular very well reviewed i think particularly found like a big audience thanks to the deal they have with netflix where the episodes appear the day after they air in the u.s So there was definitely like a a swell of love and uh, affection for the show that that really built up over the course of its first couple of seasons. And I feel like a lot of that kind of ties into, like you were talking about, the aesthetic qualities of it, just how good it looks and how well considered that clearly he was in the position of being able to say, I want to do this my way and I'm Mm. going to try and get the best people the people that i think are going to do good works and i'm also gonna you know cast a lot of people who are largely unknown in these roles mm. and you're just gonna have to trust me that we've we're gonna find the best people um which i think they, they definitely did with someone like you know a darcy card and a man okay. uh, just they're all like just tremendous tremendous people who uh i think were perfect for the roles they were found for
1: like janet's is Mm-hmm. such a phenomenal episode and brings new meaning to a bottle episode as well I think like Darcy Carden is yeah tremendous is the word for it Ed absolutely also let's not forget mm-hmm. one of the most diverse casts I've seen in a really long time
0: yeah and very much you know in a just kind of it feels very much in a we just cast the right people sort of way
1: totally, totally. and not
0: going in thinking oh we have to fill quotas whatever. it's just like these are the guy. these are the people who are right for this and uh, yeah i feel that works works very well i feel like the show particularly in its finale it really felt like it did well by the actors and the characters like it felt like it gave everyone a sense of closure but then in terms of like they resolved the central conflict of the show in the penultimate episode mm. where they were like oh we've graded this <laughs> entirely new moral code for the universe um, uh, which will determine how people can uh, eventually reach a point where they can enter the good place and even once they get there there's still something beyond that but at the uh, at, you know the final episode of having show showing all of them in some way or another reaching the point at which they feel like I'm ready to move on mm. and that That having different meanings for them in terms of what moving on means but also in terms of what is the thing that makes the move on like Manny Jacinto as as Jason completing the perfect game of Madden and you know
1: I thought of you uh, when that when when that came off I was like oh yeah
0: Yeah. Uh, for for transparency say I work on the Madden series of games so (laughs) I feel I should mention that but yeah it was uh, I, I liked that that was like a very silly that's a very silly thing for someone to decide yes I'm ready to blink out of existence now but <laughs> it felt perfect for that character it, like uh, manager Jacinto played it so well yeah. it was really nice seeing then like oh he wants to make his departure after this big party with his old dance crew and everything and he has like a nice speech with his dad who says you know you <laughs> I had it. I had him when he was when I was eighteen. So he raised me as so much as I raised him. Thanks for being a good dad, Son. So, which is just like really funny. It's a lovely uh,
1: silly joke, and that's it. Like, and and Jason is lovely and silly. He is like the most benevolent fuck up you've ever come across. And even though it seems mm. silly, it's like yes, that is what you like. And I think if you're not if you're not on board in the first season with because I I think the four humans are like incredibly lovable and interesting and the fact that they were mm. brought together because they're perfect actually to talk to each other <laughs> yeah but and their different angles and, and views on life and but that Jason is yeah that it's the perfect game of Madden that's and it's not looked down upon like no. like everyone's just different like that's that's as we say in Glasgow Um, that's his hang. <laughs> you know that's mm. his hang. and all of them have hangs and there's something interesting about, obviously, like, finales and when you get to, like, characters who come... You know, we, we've answered the main dramatic questions, but it's funny that that happened in the penultimate episode and then the final episode is genuinely, like, a goodbye. It, mm. It's not... And yet they managed to pull it out with an hour and make it still add that little last bit of tension, which is, like, when's everyone going to decide to go? And what is the thing that makes them feel, yeah, I can I can do that. And that is so revealing, ultimately, of each of them. Hmm. And I think there's so much in it, like, and I will do my absolute best not to cry, Ed. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm doing my best. I can't make a promise that I won't, but I will try not to. But there's something about, um... oh, well, here we go. That last, <laughs> that was a really good run, Emily. Well done. That was, what, three seconds? It, and, and, and in the penultimate episode where they say, well, really the good place is just, it's it's just having all the time with the people you love and hmm. it's, and that's it, it's so, oh, it's just lovely, isn't it? Like it's just hmm. to have something that is so, it's done the hard work and it still comes out being positive and hopeful and that's just why, I mean fuck this show came out in 2016 and thinking about how that just became that was such a fucking beginning of the dumpster fire that the world's in right now and um, I think now that it's over I'm only just realizing how much it came along at exactly the right time and how much we needed it because I still Mm. I don't know I still have hope I still I still believe that maybe we can change and look after each other and, and that we can and that we can believe in that. And that's. And I think what's amazing is that when. <sighs> what the last episode in particular does so well is that if the show were not as smart and considerate about struggle as it as it is, the end of the episode would be. It would be focused on Chidi and Eleanor. But it's mm-hmm. not. We see Eleanor, like. She, says goodbye to the love of her many many lifetimes you know they her soulmate she says goodbye and she lets him go because she knows that's what she has to do if she really loves him she can't just you know keep him around to stop her from being sad and uh, but then we that's the mid point of the episode we see hmm. Eleanor continue to after does that <laughs> count as a verb and still find to see um Kind of see her living through grief mm-hmm. and, and like still having a good life just really as i don't know maybe you can tell i'm um, clearly being really subtle about <laughs> it really affected me
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah that she could still find um just keep doing good stuff yeah oh my. yeah i
0: am I, um, sorry
1: oh no it's absolutely fine sorry i just and that michael gets to be a real boy that <laughs> he gets yeah. to be human and i just thought fuck you know like someone who's so excited to get to be a human and, and eleanor and janet sitting there with their margaritas talking about how he's doing and he just has this little montage of like just <laughs> just being really human <laughs> Like, particularly the saying you're five minutes away and you haven't even left the house. (laughs) And I just thought, oh, God, yeah, no, I hard relate. And I think, like, in terms of sending stuff up out to aliens, I just want Mm -hmm. to send that Michael montage as a human being because I think that covers it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, I I really love that montage as well. I particularly uh, liked the moment where he is comforting his friend in the bar. And he's oh, just going like God. saying, you know, you know, they've got they got good doctors and should be okay, and I really no. <clears throat> Sorry.
1: <laughs> this is this is the episode yeah. where we cry it, it's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do feel like um that is just like such a lovely uh, distillation of a lot of what the show has to say about the the human condition. And yeah, it's just it's just it's just a very uh, lovely note to um end on. I also I did like that there was variation to it, you know, in terms of of how everyone says goodbye. You know, yeah. Jace, Jason goes through the goes through the door as do Chidi and Eleanor, but like for Tahani, she has the moment where she reconciles with her parents and she talks about how she, you know, her her dreams to have one good day of her parents and she'd had thousands, which was like uh, just a lovely, a lovely sentiment. But then she's like, actually, no, I don't want to go. I want to do yeah. good things, and you know, like that that her journey is like oh you know i want to instead of having like essentially pretended to do good or acted like you're doing good things to just like dedicate her her afterlife to creating scenarios for people and to becoming an architect i thought that was a really unexpected and but also you know very fitting for her character direction to go uh and also i was just like I was glad that it went that way because when she's like announced that she's she's gonna go and she has like her small party with her friend which again also is so fitting as her like saying this is how I want to leave mm. um, I did have a second of like are you you're essentially going to die before your parents do because Mm. like that's the worst that's literally the worst thing that can happen and so her being like actually no i suddenly realized oh i don't want to go but i also don't want to stay i want to find something else like i thought that was that was very very nice because otherwise it was going to go in a direction that i i would find incredibly upsetting of
1: course ed christ
0: of course
1: (laughs) uh unexpected but fitting is a really great nifty little way of phrasing how the Good Place writers created those characters and really loved them because the their arcs are insane. The amount of change they all do plausibly is incredible over... I mean, that's, it's a short show, really. Mm. Like, over four years, four seasons, 51 episodes. But in the course of 51 episodes, they managed to really reckon with their flaws and like assimilate what they need to. Um, yes, I have just finished reading *Into the Woods* by John York, so I talk about assimilation <laughs> an awful lot at the moment. Um, but that you know that Cheedy manages to make decisions.
0: Mm, yes. And,
1: and that Eleanor does good. That yes. Tahani is also, you know, who who us thought that was where she would end up so yeah unexpected but fitting because you're like there's the joy of the surprise of like oh i wasn't expecting that but then the satisfaction of seeing how that is the case mm. and i think that i mean that's the sweet spot right isn't it with with following a show and being invested in in characters and yeah jason yeah, <laughs> jason i guess it's only just occurred to me he's he's just still like incredibly lovable i guess there's kind of a i wonder now looking back if there's sort of a nod to the fact that jason hasn't like massively changed because he's kind Mm -hmm. of like the human equivalent of a puppy yeah but janet does say like as he was sort of waiting for her wandering around thinking like contemplating about life and being in the woods and just remembering everything and, and thinking about what it meant and she says oh like a monk referring mm-hmm. to how and he doesn't get he doesn't get it and she's like never mind it's okay yeah and i wonder if that's almost a kind of nod to the fact that jason's character arc doesn't actually change but he almost mm. comes around full circle in a way
0: i liked uh, i think it was emily vanderwerf pointed out on twitter i think i think it was her who pointed out that you know, we think he walks through the door in the first half of the final episode. Um, And then, you know, Janet's waiting around at the end and then she's like, he pops out and he's like, oh no, I actually was, you know, looking for this thing and then I was waiting for you to come back and I recognised it was different Janets and, you know, and like, he's he's basically spent thousands of years just kind of contemplating things in this beautiful forest. Um, As she pointed out, that is quite nice that that probably meant that he was able to get paid for both episodes because you know it's like it's a it's an hour-long finale or whatever mm. But technically it would be produced as two episodes so contractually if he wasn't in the second episode he might not be able to kind of get paid for it mm. and kind i of think and when she pointed that out i was like that's like a really nice thing <laughs> if that's the the thinking behind it or if it's just like an incidental thing um it's still quite nice and bespeaks a uh you know just kind of a general love and affection on that show for everyone involved that they would think this is a funny joke to have him just kind of like pop out after we've all kind of accepted that he's not going to be on the show anymore yeah and also it also kind of fulfills this kind of banal contractual thing
1: oh i love i love it when those two come together it's so rare (laughs) <laughs> contractual banalities and love and respect and I think there, but there is that feeling and I think um, not just in the show but the culture around the show i.e. the kind of meta narrative of the show and how everyone like particularly on their social media recently like all of the sort of main, main cast and sort of uh, yeah. creatives um, have just been like saying how significant an experience this was for them how much they love each other Um, You know, some gorgeous like behind the scenes off, you know, in between sort of like filming breaks of trying to teach Ted Danson how to floss. You know, like (laughs) there's just so much like happiness radiating from it. And at a time where that seems to be incredibly thin on the ground. I mean, I hope, you know, you just I feel like I don't even want to say it because it might come back. But you just think, oh, God, you know, is anyone going to turn out to be really horribly problematic or people have a terrible time and no i'm gonna try and let myself have this one nice thing (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it it just seems like a really good it it seems silly to keep saying the word good again but just like a great team effort you know
0: Mm. going back to like the 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 fact that this final episode is in some ways unexpected in that you know it's essentially a, a denouement Um, to the entire, to Mm. the show where they basically resolve everything in the previous one and then suddenly it's like, oh, now we get to say goodbye to everyone. It weirdly reminded me of the last episode of Twin Peaks The Return where the first half of that episode is like, of the two hour finale of that show is, oh, like the conflict is kind of resolved, they defeat Bob Mm. I guess, Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about what happens in twin peaks but like in terms of like the the narrative of the show and in terms of what that series the revival had been building towards it kind of all resolves and then the final one where cooper goes through into that other other dimension or or you know what however you want to describe it uh is like an entirely different thing that is kind of paying off different things that the show was doing and um i quite i quite like that approach to storytelling we were talking in the the group chat about this about how um one thing i like in stories is when you get given a glimpse of someone's life after they do something incredible yeah that, that that's why in the follow-up series to his dark materials that philip pullman has been writing and in particularly the most recent book the secret commonwealth the stuff i really really like in that book which is is good overall but the stuff that i really like is the first 100 pages or so which are really just about what lyra Belacqua's life is like in oxford having you know spoilers for his dark materials <laughs> killed god mm. um, at the end of the the first trilogy um having her essentially living this kind of like normal life where she's like studying and she's you know got this kind of on again off again relationship with a guy in the village that she kind of in oxford that she um sees every so often and you know she has arguments with panthelemon and you know there's this kind of like tension between them all that stuff i really like because it's not something you see a lot in fantasy or sci-fi of you know people trying to come to terms with the fact that they have done an incredible thing but they still have to like go to the shops or whatever yeah and that's also also why my favorite part of one of my favorite parts of the Lord of the rings is the incredibly boring bit at the end where they just lift listed what happened to everyone after the um after you know the scouring of the shire and it's just like oh yeah like frodo lived in the house for like 70 years and he barely aged and then he went into the west and all that sort of like i like the idea of like a character having done an incredible thing suddenly being like dissatisfied with the fact that they now live a normal life and i think it feel like that's a kind of a key tension in the finale of the good place as well it's like you know the show could have ended on the final shot of the pre uh, the previous the the, the the penultimate episode which is Chidi yeah. and ellen all looking out over that gorgeous vista and just kind of being content that they've they're in the good place at last but they didn't they said well you know that's that's the easy way to end the show Yeah, the, the way that would be not merely more interesting, but also more fitting for the argument that it essentially has made over four seasons Mm. would be to say, you know, having everything be good and perfect is actually not the right resolution. It's not the key to living a good life.
1: Yeah, and argument is right, Ed, because I do consider The Good Place to be a work of philosophy. I think it manages Mm. to put forward its own philosophical theory and it's nice because it's like well yes here's the argument but then it's almost also like well but here's the sort of conclusion or the conclusions the postscript or here's the footnotes here's our working out here's i think it struck me what you were saying there in terms of that would be the easy thing to do and i think Mm. that's what the good place as well in part of its philosophical argument but in terms of its actual it's baked into the show itself they would much rather go for the hard thing (laughs) and try (laughs) than Mm -hmm. the easy thing and just you know palm it off and i think that's something to appreciate about it as well
0: yeah the um the line from the finale that really stood out to me was Eleanor at one place at one point says caring seems like a lot of uh, seems like a lot of work yeah which does kind of feel like a Summation of the philosophy of that show. It also reminded me a bit of the, I want to say season one finale of BoJack Horseman, mm. where he's trying to go uh, running and he's lying down and the guy comes up to him and says, uh, it gets easier. He's like, yeah, you have to get, you have to, but you have to work at it. Yeah. And like that. the Those two shows ending <laughs> in the same week is uh, interesting because I do feel like there's the same underlying philosophy to both of like it's very very hard to be a good person, it's very yeah. hard to care about things because caring about things inherently is painful yeah. and that's you know, is this what I think really adds a lot of the pathos to, to the finale of The Good Place is that sense of like, you know, Eleanor and Chidi could stay together for all time mm. in The Good Place but it would just make them both miserable because it wouldn't be the right thing and mm. it requires Eleanor to make a very difficult choice of realising that she has essentially a, a veto over Chidi's feelings that she could exercise for all time of being like, you know, saying like, oh, I don't want you to leave, but she has to because that's the only thing that would make him ultimately happy.
1: Absolutely, and it's saying what's worth doing you know and yeah uh, it, it's such a I think again what really touches me is like caring is work but oh here I go again fuck's <laughs> sake it's the fact that none of them give up on each other yeah like it's um it's a show about not giving up and um and that love is work and it is effort but it's so worth it yeah Ah. Oh.
0: Do you have anything else to say or should we should we move on to recommendations?
1: I think I'm just gonna yeah. Just, <laughs> just gonna keep crying about it for a while. But it's it's um to borrow from Doctor Who, it's humany womany. It's not like <laughs>
0: Uh, so we end this episode of the show as we end all our episodes with shot of a shot recommends so which we talk about a piece of culture that we've enjoyed and we think that you the listeners will enjoy as well emily what have you got to recommend for the listeners this week
1: well it's kind of a cheeky too but number one i would say treat yourself and watch the good place again mm. or or because i think i'm gonna do that i did sort of do a half rewatch in anticipation of the final series but i think i want to go back knowing how it all ends up Mm. And see, you know, see it within that context. The other non-good place uh, thing I am going to recommend is a two-hour-long video essay because I know how to live. Um, <laughs> but it's H. Bomba Guy's most recent offering, uh, and it is uh, why Pathologic is genius. And it mm. is, I think, my it's my tied favorite video essay. Ever, along with Lindsay Ellis' series about The Hobbit um, mm. it's a remarkably funny, pacey well-structured, brilliantly argued video essay about this Russian game from like 2005 I want to say um, yeah. and it's brilliant because he manages to argue why it's genius but also why you shouldn't play it and I think there's such a great tension. It's also really funny how he manages to fit in so many jokes. Is uh, the gag rate is ridiculous. So take some time, drop in, drop out of it. It's got chapters, so it's um, it's something that you can come back to. You can dive right back in. But I strongly recommend H Bomber Guys. Why Pathologic is genius. It's just so you can laugh along with me when I say delicious egg because not enough people. <laughs> <laughs> i need more people on my on my side you'll so please do come join me ed what have you got to recommend
0: uh i will second that recommendation that is a great video essay it's very very funny Um <laughs> that game seems incredibly stressful <laughs> <laughs> yes i think that really comes across in it running around town starving to death in order to save people who hate you yeah That's 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 another game about how caring is hard work. Yeah, it is. (laughs) In a way. I'm going to recommend a video on YouTube as well, um, but a shorter one. I'm going to recommend Tyler, the creator's performance at the Grammys, which uh, he uploaded to his YouTube channel a couple of days ago, and which I have watched, I would say conservatively, I've probably watched about 40 times (laughs) since it. (laughs) It is a really just compelling, arresting bit of performance. Um, Tyler, the creator... Uh, is for people who are unfamiliar. He's a, a rapper who has been around for over a decade at this point. Originally with a group called Odd Future, Wolfpack, Kill 'Em All, and has kind of been doing a lot of really interesting work recently as a solo artist. And his most recent album, uh, Igor, is is one of my favorite albums of the last couple of years. Is he's uh, someone who. Kind of debuted and was basically uh, considered a public health risk. He was kind of their their whole odd future was kind of viewed with like terror by a lot of people. And I'm pretty sure he may still be banned from going to the UK because some of his early lyrics are very kind of like violent and homophobic. And I think he's walked a lot of that back uh, in in recent years. But yeah. um, watching his development as an artist, both as a performer, as a writer, as a rapper, and as a visual artist over the last couple of years, because he directs most of his own videos as well. Has been really fascinating and it feels like it all culminates at this performance at the grammys where he starts off performing the song earthquake with boys to men and charlie wilson which is this beautiful neo soul song that was kind of the big hit off the album uh this really kind of beautiful sweet love song and then it pivots suddenly very harshly to him performing a song called uh, new magic wand which is a song about violent obsession uh and it's joined with this performance that uses a lot of like really intense close-up on him and his movements there's something like oddly reminiscent of talking heads um stop making sense to it all where uh, as he's performing the more people join him on stage and it becomes more uh complicated visually he uses a lot of things like in addition to the extreme close-up um sudden counted angles and the camera shaking to create this like real sense of chaos as this song that he's performing Gets darker and more intense, and it is a very intense song. And it's just one of the most kind of compelling bits of live performance I've seen in ages. And as someone who's followed Tyler's career for, you know, 10 or 11 years at this point, uh, it was really striking to me just seeing the point that he's reached here. Like this guy who was at one point considered like maybe one of the most dangerous people in music being able to perform on national television, winning a Grammy for Best Rap Album. And also using that to put on one of the most aggressive pieces of live performance I think there's ever had on American television, um, which is very much in keeping with his entire aesthetic. So, that is uh, Tyler the Creator's performance of Earthquake slash New Magic Wand. Uh, there'll be a link in the description to that, as well as to H Guy's uh, Pathologic video if you've enjoyed this episode of the show then please subscribe to us on itunes stitcher player fm spotify all the usual places raters reviewers and recommend it to your friends it's the best way to help us grow our audience you can also find us on facebook and twitter where we are at srs underscore podcast we'll be back next week with something entirely different until then it's goodbye from me
1: and it's goodbye from me fucking look after each other my little chilly babies